Welcome, Ohana, to the Disney Guys Uncensored. This is episode 98, recorded on February 1st, 2021. We host Drew, Bob, Jordan, and Tim. On tonight's episode, it's lights, camera, action. As we reimagine here, the lost legend, the great movie ride. So come, journey with us into the movies as we take a look at the films that shaped our lives over the last 100 years. Before we get started, though, folks, I need to wish one of our co-hosts an amazing, happy, young birthday. Ryan Shoemaker there, buddy. Happy birthday on this magnificent Groundhog Day. Happy birthday, Um, birthday, bud. Yeah, thank you. Good to be here. Will the Groundhog see a shadow or no? Yeah, sure. Why not? Oh, well. I think uh, we're due. I think we're due for him to see his shadow. We can only hope that he doesn't. I, I can tell you none of you guys looked at the uh, title of the pre-show, which was The Groundhog's Not Seeing Anything. <laughs> Good. That's what I want. I want my pool back open and summer hair, folks. But here we are. Let's get started and head over to BuzzTube. Hey, Goy! Goy! If I can just find... Goy! Yeah! <laughs> oh, there you are. All right, folks. Uh... Patreon, patrons, thank you so much for supporting us. Remember to go over to patreon.com backslash the Disney Guys Uncensored and subscribe for as little as $2 a month. I think that's the link. If not, check the show notes. But uh, $2, guys, we have been doing a Welcome to Westview. If you don't know what that is, it's the new WandaVision show over on Disney+. Plus. We've been doing 10 to 15-minute recap episodes, and it's an absolute blast. Uh, actually, not really recap episodes. They're more of a... Uh, random questions and answers it kind of talks about what our theories are kind of talks about some easter eggs it's just a fun little uh you know tim myself and bob are chatting about this and uh it's a lot of fun so you know you're missing out on some good content over there. you should go check it out also episode 100 is is two away folks two away we have been giving you 98 straight episodes without missing one week god bless us all god bless you for listening to us but thank you so here's it is. We've been doing this for the last few weeks. We're going to give you a little tease, episode 100. Um, we have a little category on the episode 100 called Content for Miles. Essentially, we're going to go back and take a, a look over the last 100 episodes, as well as trying to look at um, you know the bonus content we've put out, Patreon exclusives, and try to just talk about you know a little bit of, of all the stuff we've done over 100 episodes, and just maybe how it will change in the future, or maybe it won't. You'll have to listen to find out. Um, reminder, speaking of episode 100, we have a survey out there. Check the show notes. It is there for you guys to do. It's only a few minutes, a couple questions. Uh, fill the survey. It pretty much tells us what you like about the show, what you don't like. And it, it's just good feedback for us. Uh, the cool thing about this is if you go ahead and do that, you uh, get yourself an opportunity to win a $15 gift card. And um, why not? I mean, it's simple. It's easy. It's quick. Now, that survey will end February 14th. Happy Valentine's Day. Make sure you get that in there. And who knows? Maybe you could buy your loved one a little Valentine's present for a nice $15. Who am I to judge? Uh, The last thing here, YouTube Marvel Battle Royale. Bob, what is this all about and what's happening here? Yeah, well, uh, it's just my various musings about the Marvel uh, cinematic universe uh, in chronological order. Um, so yes, I'm still stuck right difference. now on coming up is Iron Man versus Iron Man 2 will be the next one that I'm doing. Iron Man has mm. defeated Captain Marvel. 
Captain Marvel defeated Captain America, the first Avenger, much to Tim Andrews disappointment. Um, but listen, both it's, uh, states. Yep. It, it is, it is, you're upset that Iron Man defeated Captain Marvel. No, 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 the other way around. <laughs> oh, oh, oh got Captain it. Marvel. Understood. Yes. Well, I digress. It's there. What are they? Three, four minutes. I just post them whenever I've watched one uh, Iron Man versus Iron Man two. And then uh, it'll probably be Iron Man versus the Incredible Hulk after that. I don't see Iron Man losing for a couple of movies. Agree with that. But you never know. You never know. Hey, who knows? Well, has Hawkeye gotten involved yet? Because we Hawkeye all know he's sucks. the best Avenger. Hawkeye <laughs> sucks. That's a weird way of saying Like uh, when he's Ronin, he's got a sword. Stalking people in the streets. Very cool. A very Sucks. cool guy. A cool gimmick. Memorable. Everybody loves him. I hear people all the time talking about that's the best Avenger. That's why Dude, I watched the MCU. Is, I love Jeremy Renner. You know what so, would have been cool? I mean, if Hawkeye disappeared in the blip, that would have been cool. But that never came back. No. Never There's a lot back. of hating. Um, I think he's probably going to be deeply involved in this uh, WandaVision eventually. And his own Dr. show Winter called Shoulder. Hawkeye. He is getting his own show called <laughs> Hawkeye. Nice. Everybody from my chagrin. Oh, but you know what? Maybe all this MCU oh. talk will maybe get Jordana to uh, join the bandwagon one day. That's all I can say. <laughs> if she could watch MCU, no, like, she's perspective for. Well, if she oh, could watch MCU. I gotta watch all the Star Wars first. Uh, I, ha- I haven't seen. I mean, I've seen a few of them here. I'll tell you what. If you could watch uh, these movies like you watch Survivor, you'd be done by now. I'd be, but, done. I'd be done. There's a lot more Survivor, I feel like. Exactly. But um, anyway, folks, this just shows the show. A lot going on at BuzzTube. A lot of fun stuff happening. Make sure you check on the Ohana. We're always talking about these these categories here. Um, but let's go uh, recreate a Disney attraction. So let's head over to the topic of the week. Yeah, I'm sure you guys are wondering uh, that cliffhanger from Random House of Mouse last week where we talked about the original films that are represented in The Great Movie Ride. Uh, we had this crackpot idea. I had this crackpot idea. I don't know. I think we all collectively. Time, that's how it happens. I think we collectively sat down. I put this on the schedule randomly, similar to how I put down It's Tough to Be a Bug last week in the schedule, and we did it anyway. Um, I, I think that I just put these things in the schedule or in the topic ideas pile that we have, and just because they come to my head randomly when I'm asleep and I wake up, I'm like, oh, the great movie ride. We could do that again. So this time we're doing it as if we're reconstructing the great movie ride. And we each got assigned uh, arbitrarily. We picked them, I guess. We picked um, decades that we were going to cover to bring movies in. Uh, there were 12 original scenes. So we are doing 12 movies. We, we broke the decades up this way. I got the 20s, 30s, and 40s, because why not? Uh, Andrew got the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Jordana got the the heavily hyped 80s and 90s. And Tim got the the aughts, the 10s, and the 20s. Uh, And by 20s, I mean he got last year and uh, January of this year uh, to pick from uh, in the 20s for him. Um, So I think it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. I don't think we're going to go crazy in depth. We're going to break down... Uh, we have the the ride map layout, and we've mm-hmm. penciled in where the rides, where the scenes were going to go, and what scenes we would take. Uh, gentlemen, ladies, I, I think there were some surprises when I saw this list. Um, mm. We're obviously going to get there, but was there anything that stuck out to you guys when we I, sat down and I, said, "Oh, these are the movies we picked"? Not necessarily stuck out, but I think it's so hard when you look at what, essentially a hundred years of films, and I think we're all Correct. pretty 
big, you know, avid movie goers and you're like, um, oh, this is going to be easy. You can think at the top of your head. Then you start looking at it and you're like, how do I, how do, you know, that's a definite, that's a definite, that's a definite, that's a definite, what, that's too many. Like it, it, it was hard to, to get down to your list. And at the same time, you're trying to think of an attraction. How would you set up the scene? And does it actually fit? Because I think we all came up with ideas, which we love that film, but it wouldn't make a good, a good ride. Right. And I think that's yep. okay. I think yeah. that's okay. Yeah, I mean, I know that me and Tim had several discussions about some of his rides and the way he had envisioned it, the way I had envisioned it uh, when he had said the movies. And, and Tim, you really looking. You had a tough job because these are probably the most. They are the most current movies, and I think they're probably the most recognizable movies for people in terms of the decades you had to pick from because they're the most immediate. Did you feel a sense of? owing the listeners anything by picking these movies. Well, I I really tried to approach this uh, from a realistic perspective. I tried to approach it in such a way that, you know, thinking about budgets and how this would be presented since we are using the same video uh same room Correct. As, Layout, um, yep. as as the original ride. Um so I wanted to pick some movies that really were representative of the decade but then not use them in such a way that it would not be so far above and beyond what would actually happen in a scene on the great movie ride. Uh, and then I snuck in what is my favorite movie of all time. Uh, Cause it fell in those decades that I don't think ever would be one that Disney would pick. Uh, but I thought could make oh, a little neat. Yeah, so let's be abundantly clear here. I, I don't know that. I mean, even half if these, of these movies, movies <laughs> I'm not even yeah. sure half of these movies would make it the list if Disney was to redo the ride. Um, Jordana, you have a Tom Hanks fetish. <laughs> I do like Tom Hanks, <laughs> which is funny because another another Tom Hanks made my list, but my my long list, not the short one, obviously. Yeah. But so so you had a very enviable task. Yes. For the for the four of us, because these were movies we grew up with. The eighties yeah. and nineties were movies that were always on in our houses. Mm-hmm. So I will be honest, of the lists we did, yours were the most controversial to me because I'm like, oh who but I understand why you picked all three of them. I have no problem with that. But I will tell you, I was hurt more by your list than anyone else's. I, I can I said, understand that. Oh, I mean these these movies Right. <laughs> but I honestly, like, I was like, I should really just do, like, three chick flicks from the 80s and 90s where, like, oh, <laughs> and then I was like, no, like, let me actually try. <laughs> and these were iconic movies. Even oh, if certainly. They're still iconic. You could pick 20 of the 80, just 80s mm-hmm. and 90s movies. Again, I think we, we all kind of said there's 100-something movies. We're talking about the span between 100 years or whatever. Um, but I just think that it, it was definitely – it was difficult to bring it down to three. I, I'd love to hear your three, you know, that you would have picked. But I can understand oh, your Easy. Heart. Mighty Ducks 1, Mighty Ducks 2, Mighty Ducks 3. Ah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> No, you, you all joking aside. Husband, <laughs> no, so all joking aside, and I'll I'll give a spoiler away here for everyone. Uh, you originally had Breakfast Club on your list. I, I did. was very excited about that, and yes. you replaced it with a movie that I enjoy. But I, I I really think Breakfast Club was was a better fit in yeah. my opinion. But for me, it was a better fit. And again, the one thing we said was. Wow. We're going to try to stay away from Universal movies. I think that was – and I know, Andrew, you had that problem with uh, Jaws specifically where 
because Universal had the yep. Jaws ride, you just didn't know that you would do it better in one scene than they did it in the ride, which, again, go back and listen to our Universal episode back in November. We did a solid 20, 25 minutes on that attraction. So um, certainly something to look forward to here is is where we went. I think the only rule we had was no rules, pretty much. Just try to keep stay away from Universal movies that have had Universal rides, which I think was more for you guys than it was for me when I had What's movies that were 100 years old. not have King Kong either. Well, that hurt. That hurt because King Kong okay. was on my That's short okay. list. It just made King it Kong easy was on the for me yep. or you, rather, not to pick. Right. So enough bird dog, and let's get right into it. Um, yeah. We think, and I, I think collectively the we, the royal we in this instance, the group here, we are getting into the load station. Hooray for Hollywood is playing. You heard that earlier. We, we gotta, um, we gotta make that clear. Hooray for Hollywood is not going anywhere. It's the perfect song for the perfect yes. ride. Yeah, we're not we're not rewriting those stars. Right. No, nope, we are not. But we come to a bench, Jordana, in this yes. first scene. A park bench with a solitary figure eating yes. a box of chocolates. Yes. Life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're gonna get. And so obviously <laughs> off the rip, Jordana picked Forrest Gump. No <laughs> complaints from me, Jordana. Great movie. Great movie. And I think this is one that just has so much story to it. So mm-hmm. like, that's why I picked the bench. Cause a lot of, a lot of the movie happens uh, from him telling the story yep. on the bench. So yep. we, what you see is, you know, you see the actors on the bench and, and, you know, Forrest Gump's just telling his story and behind him, you actually see like the scenes on a uh, projection of what he's mm-hmm. actually talking about his story from mm-hmm. the army and, you know, from his childhood and everything like that. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much all I, I thought yeah. of. I mean, I, I can think of no better scene than to start this this new great movie ride off with than Forrest Gump sitting on the bench telling his story. Screens in the background. It, it would be very simple, but it's a very good scene to start it off. And I think, and, like, I think that that quote of life is like a box of chocolates is mm-hmm. like the one that the last one he said. Yeah. Or you kind of move on to the next scene. Which which is ironic. One change I did make structurally to the ride was I gave every room a close-off, either curtain or door. Mm-hmm. So the rooms you really felt like you were in that movie, instead yeah, of it being that. an amalgamation of different genres. And I love the Western scene. I, I love the, the, the gangster scene in the original. But I really wanted a sense of you were in Forrest Gump, you go through the door, you're in something else. You go through that next door, you're in something else. So that was kind of the, the one thing we changed structurally about this ride. Uh, for me, I went way back to 1922 with the original telling of Dracula with Nosferatu. It's a German film. It's a silent film, but it is iconic. If you don't know the film by name, you would know the film by seeing the character. Um, it, it's It's one of those that, is much more atmospheric, and it, it does play. I think this is kind of my first issue with not picking Universal films. Is I probably would have picked Dracula, or Frankenstein, or one of the Universal oh, monsters in sure. this instance. But I did want to kind of, when I was doing my list, get iconic genres, and I think you'll see that going forward. Where I kind of wanted the horror genre a little bit represented in terms of the classic horror genre. And for me, this, we're going to have a turntable with the classic stairwell. The shadow will be on the wall. It'll turn, 
and there will be the animatronic of Nosferatu with the foreboding score in the background. Very simple. I'm thinking a lot of black and white lighting and probably very simply a uh, little fog machine. I'm big into the fog machines in this ride. So, I mean, for me, that's what I'm doing. Tim, I, I know you of all the people on this list, on this show, may know the film more so than Andrew and Jordana do. And I don't mean that disrespectfully, but I think you may be a bigger fan of older cinema. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, I just say, I think this is almost a better pick than any of the Universal Monsters because this is kind of the prototypical movie monster. Mm-hmm. This is the first real movie monster that re- represents that vein of monster movies. Mm-hmm. And for those of you guys who might be not super familiar at home with uh, what he looks like, this is the, the very pale vampire with the bat ears and a mm-hmm. bald head and the long uh, claw-like fingers. And mm-hmm. you often see him with the claw-like fingers coming around the side of the door or very hunched up at the top of that iconic staircase uh, that Bub is describing. So right. this is one of those ones where you may not know the film, but if you saw the guy, yeah. you'd immediately go, oh, I know what that guy yeah. is. I think he actually makes a cameo in a SpongeBob episode, believe it or not. <laughs> and that's a true story. I that's think SpongeBob, oh, Nosferatu, and he's there flipping the light switch. It's Look it up on YouTube. It's, it's a oh, classic. Family by se- it family is, guy. I was just saying, that there's definitely a family guy he makes a cameo in. It is. It, I, I'm, I'm, look it up. I swear it's there. But Tim... This is the one for me, and I didn't want to put it here. But when I was filling everything in, I thought it kind of worked between the scenes that it borders. Obviously, Nosferatu and what comes after it. But let's talk a little bit about Drive. And I I know you're a bigger fan of the film than I am. And I I actually love the film, but it, it for you, I think, speaks to you differently than it does to me. So let's let's talk Drive for a few minutes and give the people kind of what it is, because I don't know that it's as well known as some of the other movies here. So, uh, yeah, this was the movie that when I had the 2000s, the 2010s, 2020s, that was going to go in no matter what. It's my favorite movie of all time by my favorite director. Um, but for it is a very dark movie. It is a very violent movie. But I think that the way I envision the scene is actually just uh, the, the car uh, with the animatronic of Ryan Gosling's character facing away from the ride vehicle, wearing that iconic satin jacket with the uh, scorpion on the back and the, it kind of takes place outside a seedy two-story motor in motel which if you've seen the movie you know that you know some important scenes happen there it's very much lit in dark blues uh which transitions easily from the black and white style lighting from nosferatu with some hits of uh you know neon pink and purple over it but for me what was so important about getting this movie in is the the this 20-year span of filmmaking we really saw the rise of directors using the horror movie structure reframed without, you know, a Frankenstein or a Dracula or a monster or a ghost. Uh, and we got films like Drive, which, uh, you know, the director says whenever um, in interviews that, you know, it's actually a werewolf story and that Ryan Gosling's character is the monster and get out. And uh, if anybody's seen The Green Room, another excellent film from this era that uses uh, neo-Nazis as the monster instead of anything supernatural. So I think this really just represents this these horror movies as art films that did so well mm-hmm. uh, in, in this era of filmmaking. Yeah, Tim, I mean, I don't think I can add anything to that that would make any sense to anybody. But I, I do love the film. And uh, no, I, I think it really fits. And it's interesting because we've we've gone with really old classic classic horror to a neo-noir 
horror to perhaps one of the greatest suspense horror filmmakers of all time, because our next scene takes us into the world of Alfred, Alfred Hitchcock and it takes us to saboteur. And this is probably our first real big set piece in the ride. Um, it, it, it it's going to be that scene from saboteur that they're in an airline, an airplane hangar, and it goes up in flames. So I'm envisioning this scene with a few animatronics, but mostly um, planes, whether they be half planes like Casablanca had that are set back with flame, uh, flame effects, fire effects, smoke effects. I just think this really will be the first big set piece. And it kind of transitions us away from what I consider really the horror block or the suspense block of the ride right into some, excuse me, some of the, Probably the biggest set piece in the ride, Tim, because uh, Saboteur, really cool set piece. But this next one that it leads into, and it's not the smoothest transition, I will admit that. But you picked, arguably, the most popular film on this show. Maybe there's one later on that you picked, but you went with Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. And this is where me and you disagreed a little bit on scale of this scene. You wanted something a little more intimate. And, and I said, Oh no, we're doing Moria. We're doing Casa doom. We're doing a giant Balrog. We're doing fly. You fools. We're doing the whole thing. And, and you said, okay, fine. If budget wasn't an issue, you'd be on board with it. So let's talk a little bit about Lord of the Rings, the fellowship of the ring. Yep. Just, uh, you can't <laughs> do the, the time period that I had, especially with the co-host of, uh, we have in drew who, is unfortunately has dropped off the call due to some technical issues due to the weather, but um, mm-hmm. he would murder me if I didn't include Lord of the Rings. In fact, I think that is what he said when he picked I the I believe decades. he mur- threatened to murder you and threatened to quit the show if you didn't. Yes, so. uh, but I mean, I think this is, you can't redo this ride and represent this decade without having this franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took up more filmmaking minutes probably than any other film franchise until the MCU got pretty deep into its run Mm-hmm. Uh, it just was so iconic to so many people. It was really the Star Wars of my generation. Um, and a- as I said, I approached this in a way that budget and scale, I was trying to be very, very realistic. But uh, I guess if we could go all about, then... Uh, we, we don't do realism on the show, yeah. Tim. Come on. <laughs> then we can do the whole thing. We can have a Balrog and we can have animatronics <laughs> falling off like- bridges and lava. Oh, it's going to be awesome. Is, is this where we transition to a boat ride for Andrew's sake that you float through the lava? Is this going to be where we transition for Drew? Yeah. This is, his, his is coming up next. So Since Drew's not on the call, I think we'd say, like, I don't think it literally needs to turn into a boat. Like, no, you could just no, represent can have the effects it, it going in over water. Like, but he really wanted it to be. fly on the Peter Pan ride. Yes, you do, Tim. Yes, you do. So we go through a pretty intricate set here in in Lord of the Rings, but really, perhaps one of the centerpieces of this attraction, for for some unknown reason, is Drew's first attraction, first film on this attraction to this point, is the 1971 classic Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. And reading from his notes and having talked to him, he wants the full chocolate room reveal um, so we've actually giving we're giving him a little bit of a hallway here, 
There's the shrinking hallway where he plays Rachmaninoff on the keyboard and the door, the whole wall opens up. Um, and we're actually just because I want it. When you leave the chocolate factory or the chocolate room scene, you are going to get the tunnel with the chicken with the head cut off and and the, the, the most bizarrely horror scene in that movie. Um, it's fantastic. Some would argue that this continues our run of horror movies on this attraction with Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Um, Jordana, has young Sal watched Willy Wonka yet? Not yet. Um, I think it's a movie that he would like, though. I think, I don't I know, think especially the chocolate like, scene. Every kid, like, loves yeah. just imagining all the candy and seeing all the kids go nuts for it. And So, so just for fun, though, Tim, Jordana, have you guys seen the Depp Charlie the Chocolate Factory versus the the Gene Wilder Willy Wonka Chocolate Factory. I mean, there's only one answer which one's better, but Jordana, have you seen them both? Yes. The and older which one? The older version. Easily. Way better. <laughs> uh, I and have the right that thing. it's not worth seeing the Johnny You've Depp one. You've never seen it? No. I think yeah, the Johnny Depp one is... So it's closer to the book, I guess, from what I'm told. It's, it's a closer representation of what the book was. Um, but... Yeah. Alas, the Gene Wilder one is just please. Gene Wilder was a national treasure, and yes. you know, I just it's he is that role. So it, it's kind of an interesting juxtaposition because we've gone from Hitchcock to Peter Jackson to the Willy Wonka and Chocolate Factory, virtually a kids movie. Now we're going back to 1936, the Charlie Chaplin classic, Modern Times. I wanted to make this just a Charlie Chaplin room. I feel like his body of work in the decades that I had to deal with were, were it was worth it. I, I between the Great Dictator and Modern Times and City Lights and uh, Monsignor Verdot. I, I just uh, the, the 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 kid. I mean, all of these films. They're just Charlie Chaplin is an iconic uh, filmmaker actor you know charlie chaplin you know charlie chaplin films are fun uh so really at the end of the day i had to get it in here so i i did stick to the rules i didn't just do a period or genre room i did do one specific this is going to be inside the factory where where the the little tramp here where charlie chaplin's character is going bananas because the machine is is screwing with them and he ends up in prison it's just going to be a lot of fun hijinks will ensue and i'm thinking i'm going to borrow the screens from forrest gump and kind of have on one side some of the other highlights from chaplin's films because i think that uh chaplin himself is is lost in a lot of um in a lot of film studies even though he is well regarded and his films well regarded i think people forget how great charlie chaplin really was um so that does take us to drew's next one which represents uh 1976 and rocky um here tim we did something because of the way the ride splits he almost got two scenes out of rocky in this one uh the first one's going to be the human element of rocky where it's going to be adrian stoop and it's going to be a turntable device where it's kind of going to slowly rotate and he's going to be boxing in the meat packing plant type thing. Um, it's going to be very stripped down. Uh, and like we said, I, I don't know if we said it to you guys or, or I was having a conversation with Andrew offline where we said Rocky is a human story um, for, for half of the film anyway, before, before it turns into the big boxing ring. 
So the room is kind of divided. You're going to see the human element of the story, and you're going to turn the corner, and it's going to be post post fight in the ring, full size boxing ring, with uh, probably video boards or a crowd around it. Um, it's just it's going to really, I think, capture the essence of Rocky. Um, Tim Jordana, do you guys were you guys surprised at all when Andrew picked Rocky as one of his movies for the decades that he had? No, I wasn't. I wasn't surprised. Um, this is definitely one of the more iconic movies mm-hmm. from decades. Um, I honestly, I, th- I didn't, I didn't realize it was a '70s movie. I honestly yeah. thought it was '80s. But um, so I'm glad that it made the cut. I think that mm-hmm. it's it definitely, yeah. you know, it it shows that those '70s. I think the ending '70s into the '80s. Yeah. I think it's a good transition right there. Mm-hmm. Tim, anything for you that stuck out when he picked Rocky? I wasn't surprised. Um, I'm not like a huge Rocky guy, but yeah. it was more surprised by omission that he didn't include like Goodfellas or The Godfather. Uh, yeah, I think he had them on his short list. I think he did have them on his short list a little bit. I think it was just one of those that he went Rocky for whatever reason and Willy Wonka and where he went with his other film, I was stunned. He'd ever, he'd even seen it. So I, I wasn't going to tell him not to put it in there. Uh, but for me also, we should mention that in that boxing ring scene, there's going to be a large, like translucent scrim that has the Philadelphia steps behind it. Uh, so it, it's just, it's going to be a celebration of Rocky, which is perfectly fine and takes place in Philadelphia. And what better transition from Philly to New York than Tim's next film on this list. Yep. So uh, I felt like of all the films, this one could not be left out of the ride. It's the biggest film franchise in history. Now it's Avengers. Um, I did not want this to turn into though, the Avengers ride with, you know, 11 other films tacked on Mm -hmm. around it. So I, as much as you can, I want to do this as an understated Avengers Mm -hmm where basically you have the full team when they've assembled for the first time in their iconic pose in New York City, uh, when they're kind of all standing in like an oval shape um, and kind of hitting their poses. It was used as a publicity shot a ton for the Mm -hmm. first film. Uh, And basically just as a static display. And uh, Mm -hmm. again, we'll have maybe some screens in the background playing um, a couple loops of Mm -hmm. scenes of the characters you know iron man flying thor with the hammer and some lightning hulk jumping on a car and crushing it so uh you know nothing nothing big because again i did not want this to get completely dominated Mm -hmm. by avengers and let some of these other equally as important movies that would get overshadowed plus there's enough marvel stuff elsewhere Mm -hmm. in the parks so, yeah, that, that was kind of my take on an understated version of the Avengers. Plus, I made you do a full ride through of Lord of the Rings, so I had to give you one. Yeah. <laughs> so it is funny because uh, when you picked Avengers, I mean, it had to be picked. It, it it almost like we hamstrung you like, Tim, you can do these decades, but you do have to pick the Avengers. Sorry, it has to happen. I mean, it would have been foolish not to. Now, here, in my opinion, leads to the most controversial selection that we've had on this on this ride to this point. And not that the film is controversial, not to me anyway. I guess in hindsight it might be to some people, but it's not controversial to me. 
But Jordana, you you continued your Tom Hanks love affair and you went with Big. Yes. So w- let's talk about Big because what scene did you have in mind for this? So for this one, I had the piano scene um, where it's like it's Josh Baskins and he's um, he's playing with the foot piano and then his boss um, Macmillan comes in and joins in and they're they're doing it together. It is one of the most iconic scenes and you can say like a lot of people know that scene and don't know what movie it came from. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think. And this is one of my husband and I's favorite movies in general. But I just think that I always remember, like, we were talking about how, like, we were growing up with these movies. And this is one of the movies I was always on in my house. So I felt like I had to, like, if you look at, like, the little map that we have, like, it's one of the smaller rooms. And it might be a quick, like, you know, you continue to go on. I didn't do that maliciously. It's just kind of where it fits. perfectly because yeah. like it's it's one of those that you really don't have to stop and watch the whole thing it's like you can kind of just enjoy passing by um and yep. it's just one of the that i just i love that that scene and i thought that it just fit well the ride designer that i am taketh and the ride designer that i am giveth because if i did give you the smallest room for big yeah. i gave you the Biggest room in the ride, potentially. Uh, so this would have been the first two-thirds or so of Wizard of Oz, and I think the tail end of Fantasia, where where this one is. So just so you guys understand where that is in the ride, it's a huge portion of the ride. It's a huge showroom right. uh, or, or display room for this for this piece. Um, right. it, it, I don't have a problem with this film, Jordan. I want you to know that. And okay. much much like I felt like Tim had to pick the Avengers, I feel like if you didn't pick Titanic and put it in this ride, yeah. we'd be doing a disservice to James Cameron because he needs to be in here somewhere. Yeah. So so it could have been Terminator. I would have been okay with that too. But yeah. I understand we had a rule in place, and Terminator Terminator Two 3D is a very good attraction. So yeah. you want Titanic? I have big dreams for this mm-hmm. attraction. Huge dreams. But I want to know what you have since it is your moment here. Talk about the biggest room on this ride and why yeah. it's Titanic. So I had to. Be, I got to be honest. I had a really hard time picking this scene. Um, there's just so many great scenes within the movie and so many iconic ones. I was originally going to go with the bar scene when um, when um, they go down and hang out with all the people. Um, what am I trying to say? Where it's like they're all just partying and drinking and dancing. And I was going to do that because I thought it was a fun, uplifting scene. So um, did the draw me like your, one of your French girls ever enter your mind? No, not at all. Come this, on. This still has to be a child, a child-friendly ride. So um, the one that – which this isn't much friendlier. But um, I decided that since it's the big set piece, we're doing the final – sinking scene but kind of like a sped up version so we're gonna try to put like a smaller version of the half of the boat where it's kind of where the half of it's kind of sticking straight up and like buoying in the water um so it's going to be kind of like an action scene like in meaning like the actors that are playing over in it um and it's going to be them you know jumping into the water finally and yeah i i thought that that was a very iconic scene overall no it clearly is and it it, it's uh, it gets a lot of crap 
Titanic does um, for for its filming and and but I mean that scene there's there's you'd be hard pressed to find a more recognizable scene right. from current ish cinema than than that scene so I, I the only thing i will ask is that you put cold machines in there so it can be really we can it can be authentic like you get, i'm looking you get for frozen in there yes so yes. um and my joke that i wanted to put in there was that as you're going from titanic to the next scene that you just see this door floating in the water and the um the person that is conducting the whole ride can just say, oh, look at that door. You think two people could fit on it? And then just keep going. Because that's, like, a big, like, thing where, like, Jack could have fit, like, <laughs> you know. So, Drew, welcome back. In this instance, I would <laughs> like you to put a groan sound after that joke. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Come on. Like love the corny jokes. <laughs> kind of like it. Oh, God. You would. All right, Drew, let's catch you up. We've made it to Titanic. I know you've seen the map. We did give justice to Willy Wonka. It's a great scene. People are raving about it already on our oh, message lovely. boards. Uh, we did talk, and we talked a healthy amount about Rocky for you as well, and Appreciate the design it. there as well. Um, is there anything that you had in mind for any of this? And Tim did give you a shout out on the Lord of the Rings. Is there anything that you've seen that we've talked about that I know you, you dropped the call due to the weather that you wanted to mention on any of these? Or, well, or, or I just you have good? to assume and hope that Tim did justice and you entered uh, the, the moon glowing doors of Moria as you entered your room. And I was well, we thinking... mentioned Moria. I don't know if we got okay. specific with the door. Yeah, yeah we didn't get did mention... If you want to get if you want to go a little deeper, <laughs> I did say you threatened me if, if I yes. had not included Lord of the Rings. Yeah, we you threatened his life That's and to quit bad. the show if we didn't talk about Lord of the Rings. Well, I also was thinking as you know, the Imagineer side of things, I'm assuming you guys went under the Bridge of Khazad-dûm. Yes. So I'm hoping that on the first side, if you looked up, you see the Balrog fighting Gandalf, but it's the scene of you shall not pass. And then as you go underneath it, if you look back, Imagineer does their thing and does a little bit of mirror action there, and then you see Gandalf falling off with Fly, you fools. So that's that's what I envisioned there. I hope you guys get it right. I trust you. You guys killed it. Tim, I think we did. I think we got close. Okay. Yeah. I think we got close. So it's funny because the next one on this list um, shocked me. that, And I said that Andrew had seen the movie and was such a fan of the movie. Big fan. Read the book, too. Um, I think it's going to shock everybody. 1957. This is going to close the show. And, and I really think for me... When, when you said this movie, it immediately, to me, was the ending scene in this ride. And I don't know why. I just, when you said to me, yeah, these are my three, and I saw on your list that you had this film, I, I said to myself, well, that there it is. That one's going last. It's just such a capper. Similar to how Forrest Gump was automatic to be the first scene, I think there's one particular scene in 12 Angry Men that absolutely closes this ride and just make and just caps it off. And, and Drew, I, I don't know what you had in mind for this scene. Mm. Well, I think that uh, you enter the room and, and, you know, it's all the discussion of what's happening. And you have to just pretty much sit in this room in your ride vehicle until the decision is made. Simple as that. Jesus. All right. <laughs> well, that seems no, no, like a I real mean, downer. We talked about one of the most iconic scenes is when they're. Uh, you know, going around the room, guilty, 
guilty. Not guilty. guilty. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, and I'm not gonna, yeah. you know, and then it just zooms in on the giant guilt. So I think you see something like that, and it's mm-hmm. the uproar. The problem is, is I mean, if budget truly was an issue here, um, we're not getting twelve life, <laughs> you know, animatronics no. here sitting at the table. So no, certainly not. Um, but you know, there's there's a lot of cool different ways you to do this with definitely light in and you know you have the window outside and you see the weather of you know of the city and stuff it's uh it's it's a very iconic film i mean it, it needs to be part of it so, so it's funny because it, now that we've gotten there we've gone through the 12 movies and if you've noticed anything about this with the exception of maybe modern times and where it is on this ride it's a very coherent. You got Forrest Gump, which would be almost full color and just kind of a nice, easy opening. And then we hit that very dark, I think all three of those horror scenes, quote unquote, from Nosferatu to Drive to Saboteur are going to be uh, very, very intense in ways, uh, very thematic in a lot of ways. And they're going to be very dark. And then you start to lighten up, believe it or not, in Lord of the Rings, which is probably the darkest scene in this ride in terms of its content, but it does bring some more color into it. You get into Willy Wonka and it's just full technicolor. And then you kind of get a break with modern times and you start to build up again. You go through Rocky and that's probably muted and you get into the ring and Avengers and big and Titanic, the same thing. They kind of get all very color. And then we bring it home with that very classic, you know, guilty, not guilty scene from 12 Angry Men and the fog machine. It, it, it's not necessarily a coherent story, but I think it's it's a very coherent story of uh, of the last hundred years of cinema. I, I don't know that we could literally take any of these movies. We, we could. We could obviously replace these with 12 other movies, and maybe it makes just as much sense. But when I saw the movies, I'm very happy with what we've picked. I think they're all representative of something that we liked in cinema. I think that's the whole point of this exercise, is this was movies that spoke to us in those decades. And I, I think, you know, outside of <laughs> Big, I think they all do a great job. But hearing Jordana's take on Big, I, I think if it, if it means that mushroom is something she grew up with, then it absolutely fits the narrative of what we tried to do here. Drew? Did Zoltar make the bid scene? Just need to ask that question. He can be in the background. We didn't mention him, but he, oh he we can put him God. in the back. Maybe he'll so be he has to lobby. go through this whole ride again. Maybe, Maybe he'll be in the lobby. What are you doing here? Maybe you don't have the doors the of Moria. You don't have Zoltar. Did you even have Thanos in the Avengers? No. no. Oh my! I'm not. I'm out. He wasn't even in the event. We're all gonna listen to the episode tomorrow, and it's just gonna be Drew's commentary. And this is where they should have added. Was the blip in the Avengers? No, no. It's Avengers One in New York City. It is the movie Avengers. How is it not Endgame with the battle scene and the whole place is crappy, and then Thanos, and then the blip, and people hologram? I don't know if that room big enough. I forced him to do an entire room for Lord of the Rings. He oh, wanted to go in. It's not big enough, but you have the New York City skyline. Okay, I see where you people are. I, I see you. Anyway, there would be a room that follows Twelve Angry Men with clips. Obviously, uh, that's that's our great movie ride, our new great movie ride, the great movie ride resurrected. Uh, Passion of the Christ Two, Crucify This. I mean, uh, however it works, whatever happens. We're here for it. It's a lot of fun. You'd get another film series at the end of it. I think we'd update some of the films, but uh, for me, 
guys, I know Drew kind of gave us his lasting thoughts that we failed him in several rooms. Jordana, would there Perfect. be anything you would change or or do you think this is fairly representative of 100 years of films, which is a tough task, by the way? It is a tough task, and I think it takes multiple people to put in their opinions to make it work, and I just feel like ours works because it's got a little bit of taste from everybody. Yeah, it does. It does. Tim, anything for you that stuck out besides Andrew's incessant nagging about the minds of Moria? Uh, no, I think it's a little disappointing that we didn't figure out where uh, a 1920s gangster could, you know, board the vehicle and then later maybe gotten blown up by a wizard or a superhero. I think Blow we it. really could have worked that in. I, but other than that, I think we did a good job. I think this is very representative of the movies that make us now, as opposed to the movies that were chosen back when the great movie ride opened. Mm-hmm. And Drew, I'll give you last thoughts since you missed the There's good no two thirds. Apparently, you guys let me down. You disappointed me, and uh, I mean that's we it. We had I, some I, good Lord of the Rings talk. Well, I can't wait to listen now. It was there. And was I there... tell you, I gushed over your Rocky design. Oh, I appreciate that. That's, you know, <laughs> I appreciate that. All right. I mean, well. If you've enjoyed this, please let us know what you would change, the listeners, what you people would change in uh, in this ride, if there's something you would put in. I know we had a couple of responses from uh, family members and friends of the show uh, that would, would have done different rides, uh, different movies than we did, but... Ultimately, I think that's the great thing about this exercise is you could we could do this a hundred times and come up with twelve different movies every time. So uh, that's just how many movies there are, and this is our journey into the movies. Uh, with that, if you guys are ready, I think we're gonna do a quick random house of mouse tonight as well. Yeah, so Random House of Mouse, again, I think is born from emails and, and questions from listeners that we get all the time. Uh, it's basically a very quick hitter, rapid fire. If we could bring back one retired attraction or show from each park, which would it be? Uh, guys, the caveat here, obviously, it doesn't matter if it's replacing it's whatever's there. It's just we're going to bring the ride back. I don't care where it is. I don't care what you had to take. We're just bringing one thing back from each park, and that's how we're doing it. It's just simple fun. Uh, Jordana, let's start at Animal Kingdom, and let's start with you at Animal Kingdom. Alrighty. So um, I picked one that's fairly recent that I actually enjoyed, and not a lot of people did. Um, I picked River of Lights. Mm -hmm. I think that it was a great show. Um, I think it was just a nice, calmer like nighttime spectacular. And I think that it didn't have enough time, um, you know, COVID shutting yeah. it down early and everything. I just think that it deserved more of a time frame than what, like a year and a half, two years or well, how really anything. They changed it two or three times too. Right. It, it, they never really gave it a chance to get an audience. Right. I, I loved it. I loved it the couple times that I saw it. So um, I think definitely that's one I would bring back. Not to pick on you, Jordana, but is there anything you didn't love at Disney? No. Yeah. There we go. I mean, there's a couple. I mean, I definitely, I didn't pick, what was it, the dinosaur, the tricer. No. What's the dinosaur one? The Well, Primeval World. 
yeah. Chester and Hester's dead. That, 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 I mean, bees, man. You can't go back now. The bees are there. No, the but bees that have taken over. Yeah. So I did not pick that one. I did not like that one. Okay. <laughs> Tim, what about you? you? You picked one, Tim, that I, I, I almost picked this. So I was excited that you did. Tarzan rocks. Oh, that's it's, a good one. Not much. I, the, the music of Phil Collins, the yep. actor I of mean. Florida Teenagers. No, <laughs> they, they, they were perfect. That was, a, that was no. the first of the big theater, no. what, a theater in the wild. Is that what yeah. that one's called? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. 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 Theater, Dino Land, theater of the wild. Really yep. Dino Land. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the, the original of the big productions there. And, uh, I thought it was great. I, I, I kind of like it better than Nemo and friends. That's there currently. Yeah. Well, it is funny because it replaced that uh, that Journey of the Jungle Book show that was mm-hmm. very weird. That was uh, the opening – no, not opening day. Yeah. Early on. Yeah, maybe not opening day, but it was the first show to play in that theater was the, the Journey in the Jungle Book, which was really weird. Yeah, but Jungle Book, Jungle Book has no love. And I, you know me. I just became a big fan of it, but it needs a little bit this more love. This was pre-live action. This was just weird. This, I'm just talking it, about off-topic, yeah. but – yeah. Book in itself. So Drew, what about you? Where's the, I mean, you guys pounded mm-hmm. Dino Land area. So Drew, well, I'm what going. About- uh, I'm going back to Jubilee because what's better than a pop-up tent dinosaur museum? And that's essentially what this thing was. Um, yeah, I mean that's pretty much straightforward. Few things that are better uh, than a pop-up dinosaur museum, but no, I, it's a good pick. It was dinosaur Santa fossils on the bones. Yeah, I mean dinosaur fossils in a tent. I mean. It seems so like I would to, put um, these you guys, uh, you, 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 you dig up dinosaurs? <laughs> I <can't do> <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah, uh, yeah that's where I'm going. Over where uh, the dinosaur rammer is, or whatever the hell the ride is over there, right? That's where it was? Yeah, again, guys, still the same area. Chester and Hester's Dino-Rama. It was over, I, I think, kind of near uh, where Primeval World technically still stands. But it's yeah, and I, I went with the parade, Mickey's Jam and Jungle Parade. I think it was one of the best parades they ever had. It was a lot of fun. It was bright. It was colorful. Kind of reminded me of Epcot's Tapestry of Nations with the big kind of stilt walkers and stuff. It was just it was a fun parade. Uh, they actually did give a uh, they gave it like a Mickey's Jamming Jam and Jingle Parade during Christmas. So it was one of those that could kind of move. and it ran for like ten years, eleven years. It was a parade that was really well done. Uh, they don't really do parades over Animal Kingdom, so it's, it's really, really awkward for me now. Um, Hollywood Studios. Let's start with Tim. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids movie set adventure. A probably very underappreciated attraction. I loved this as a kid. Um, I had no idea this was around all the way until 2016, still tucked in that little space. Uh, and it lasted right up until they needed to knock it down to make room for the entrance to Galaxy's Edge. Yeah. But this was just a playground with replicas of the giant size props for the shrunken parts of uh honey i shrunk the kids and it was a playground made out of them and it was great so drew a side question have your kids watched honey i shrunk the kids yet no yeah my kids won't watch it i'm very i want to i want to know i want to know if it's like i don't know anyway I i was um i was afraid of the little ant guy auntie whatever the hell his name was when I was a kid, that thing's terrifying. I'm not going to yeah, lie. It's a big ant. It's a big ant. Uh, Drew, yeah. I... Well, listen. Here's my <laughs> answer. I wanted to say, um, who wants to be a millionaire? Play it. But I get that it might be a little bit dated. 
But the legend of Captain Jack Sparrow was an absolute masterpiece. Um, and this was before they kind of added their tape right over to the uh, to, to parts driving you know, attraction. But it was a walkthrough for the ages. And um, it was fun. I mean, you know, it was it was and maybe I don't necessarily need the legend of Captain Jack Sparrow. I think I just need more of that. Like, like bring the props here and, and recreate a scene that I can walk through. Did That's you like the I Narnia mean. one? Did you like the Narnia walkthrough? Yeah, that one? was... The Narnia one the, was cool. The Narnia one I thought was more wardrobe-ish, I guess you could say, in my eyes, if I remember correctly. I mean, you walked the through the wardrobe, so... Correct. Kind of, remember that uh, Game of Thrones exhibit we went to? With John Maynard. Sure. In New yeah. York. In New, New York? in New York, yeah. Yeah, but that's mind cool. I like that mind type of gap. stuff. I want to mind the mind gap. The cha- mind mind the, gap. the chat, good lord. Oh, jeez, let's move on. All right, Jordana, you knocked this one out of the park. So go ahead. I picked classic, um, and you know, Tim obviously helped. But <laughs> um, well, again, picked- in this instance, we had a lot of threatening this week, as Tim threatened all of us if someone didn't pick it. So yes. Um, so I picked the Studio Backlot Tour. I think this was a perfect representation of what Hollywood Studios was and, you know, should have continued being, I guess. But um, it's it's something that was a great show or was a great ride, I should say. And, um, I don't know, put you within the action. So well, I Bob and it. I were in the action. I mean, we several, were chosen to times. reenact the Pearl Harbor scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, several times. Well, look at you. <laughs> we actually did the old fishing boat one too. We had to wear the ponchos, and we did the oh yeah, Pearl when Harbor they told me not to we look like, left, broken And what did you do? Oh, I looked left. You did. It was well, incredible. Hard. What a good time. Uh, I obviously went with a with an OG throwback to the Monster Sound Show, which That's was replaced one. by Sounds Dangerous, starring Drew Carey. Drew Carey. Uh, this was this was fun. It was like a it was like a fully uh, sound design show. Where you made the sound effects for like a Chevy Chase, I think was in the movie that you were making the sound effects for. It was it was an OG attraction. I, I just and much to Jordana's point with with the Backlot Tour, it was it was so representative of what that park was. It was much more interactive than than what it is now. Um, which I don't even know if that's true anymore. But they did kind of get away from that in the late nineties, early two thousands with the interactive, but then they're going back to the, the really in, interactive stuff with, you know, you're, you're one of Andy's toys in toy story land and you're in galaxy's edge. It's actually a working, you know, community. So it's, it, it's a little bit more intensive now, but this was really putting you in the production facility and, and how movies were made. And it was kind of just, it was really cool. I really enjoyed the show. Um, now, why did you choose this one over the one that had a, 12 foot high Drew Carey head on the marquee and then required you to sit in absolute darkness be given so, headphones while Drew Tim, Carey you just guided you that through a detective No, so the irony is I'm a closet sounds dangerous fan. That was a pretty neat attraction. No, like, honestly, yeah. that was my pick until I saw that you yeah. had Monster Sound Show already picked. It was like yes, groundbreaking, it was. but what it did for like audio audio sounds and, and, and how you perceive things when you... It was it was a really cool attraction. I don't need to you don't really need to go on it more than once or twice. That that was the thing. There wasn't a lot of rewriteability or rewatchability with Sounds Dangerous, but it was people laugh because oh, it was Drew Carey, but it, it was a pretty good show. It was better than it should have been, to be honest with you. Um, I think to, 
spoiler alert, guys. We had a really heart to heart. We had a heartfelt conversation on Epcot this week on Discord. Um, and here we are at Epcot, and we picked four things that I think everybody would bring back to Epcot if, if we could. So let's just Drew. We'll start with you and just go Drew, Tim, Jordan, and then I'll end it type thing. Believe it or not, guys, I'm gonna head over to the land. And um, I'm bringing back food rots or kitchen tabernacle. I mean, both. You can't go with either one. So you're bringing back both. I'm sure interchangeable. Uh, you know what, Bob? Do one. Put it on a what's your McCall? Turn table. A, a turn turn table. Put it turn on table. a turn table. Change the world. You want. Change the like world. All the guests have to vote. Do you want kitchen tabernacle or do you want food rots? And the turntable yeah. will we'll go to that one. Uh, but yeah, over the land, this was just a fun little, you know, food. The different electronic show. It was, a it was music it was a show. Different time at Epcot. Great soundtrack. Great. I'm just gonna leave it at that. Just we we'll leave it on the table for future. Uh, yeah, leave it on the table yeah. for a Lost Attraction episode if we ever do another one of those. Well, now we just got rid of you know a lot of options here. Sixteen options. Anyways, <laughs> I want to say really quick, if if I was gonna probably use Tim's, but Tim beat me to it, and one of my single-handedly favorite attractions of all time. But so Tim. Oh, low-key great attraction. Not not even low-key. Just a great attraction, Tim. Uh, yeah, so I uh, I picked Body Wars and uh, amazing attraction, same ride system as uh, the original Star Tours before it was Adventure Continues. Tells you the story of being shrunken down and injected into a body to fight an infection. Uh, totally awesome. The one well, caveat I'll have is um, this ride was notorious for making people feel extremely sick. Because there was a slight desynchronization between the movement of the ride vehicle and what was happening on the screen. So when I bring it back, uh, we're going to, you know, use modern technology to get that synced up perfectly so that people who are prone to motion sickness will actually be able to ride it. I think it was just the fact that you were inside the body that made you sit. Nothing to do with that. But wasn't it wasn't you going in there to remove a splinter? Yes. Yep. Yep. And the white blood cells were all like. Trying to fight an yes. infection around it and of stuff. Of all things, like a splinter. You're not trying to go in there to, to you know, solve cancer. You're not trying to – you're going to remove the splinter. That's what made it even better. You know but it made that so epic. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, I mean, that's my point. I'd bring back the entire Wonders of Life pavilion. I'd bring it all back. Cranium Command, Body Wars. It's a good place to just – Chalats. Well, you're gonna have to get you're gonna have to get uh, Buzzy back from the Lopez brothers, who definitely bought the whole animatronic and not just the clothes that they gave back to Disney. Well, mix up. I think the important thing here is is that we know where Buzzy is, and Buzzy is safe and sound back in 1955. Uh, Jordana, what about you? I must be on a nighttime spectacular kick. Um, <laughs> so I would bring back Illuminations because I, I miss it and I want it back. All you need to say <laughs> is it is the single best nighttime show they've ever made. Yeah, that's all you need to say. That's, that's it. it. That's, it's it. Now, that's would, it. would you bring back Illuminations, like the original Illuminations, like the one they did at the turn of the millennium? Would you bring back like Reflections of Earth Illuminations? Um, there was slight differences. There's not a huge difference. I don't, no, I mean, yeah. I like I liked Reflections of Earth. I don't know. Like, I I don't know. Like, I saw that one more, or I remember yeah. that one more, so I think would I would. Would you bring back Tapestry of Nations or Tapestry of Dreams Ooh. with it as the precursor with the parade around the promenade? Oh, yeah, that's a no-brainer. Who would say no to that? 
Yeah, why would you say no? Why is that even a question? question? The answer is yes. Yeah. The answer is yes. You're right. I don't want that. Yeah. You know what? You can keep that part. I only want the fight. All right, got it. Understood. (laughs) I am bringing back back the Living Seas and Sea Base Alpha. You're probably saying to yourself, well, we have the Living Seas still. No, no, no. I want Nemo and Crush gone. I want this to be the Living Seas and Sea Base Alpha. I want the original film back in the pre-show because it rained and it rained and it rained. That's what I want. I want the original. I want the hydrolators that didn't move a quarter of an inch and people claim to get sick on them because the pressure in the cabin, you morons. I want it back. I want it back right now. I just want to see people complain about the hydrolators and the tube, right? You got, you want the man still to be in the tube. Yeah. I want it all, baby. I want 1980s living with the seas back. That's what I want. I want it all. Now, but have you heard the apocryphal story about the hydrolators that allegedly someone sued Disney and then Disney allowed the case to go to court. And it was one of those ones where the lawyer was just like, but judge, and then they opened both doors of the hydrolator, and then the case was dismissed. It's not true, but it's a fantastic Disney urban legend yeah. that gets spread around. Yeah, it's fantastic. I love everything about it, and people are morons. There you go. There it is. There it is. Let's end at the Magic Kingdom, perhaps the most magical place of all. Uh, Jordana, we're back to you first, and for some reason, of like, this is... Go ahead. This is almost as bizarre as Andrew wanting the legend of Captain Jack Sparrow back. That's not that bizarre compared to this. So I want the Pirates League Academy back, and I think that it's just a fun experience where, you know, kids get to imagine it's not just a ride, it's not a show, it's an experience. And they get to get all dressed up, and they get to pretend to be pirates, and it's so much fun, and it's so cute watching them walk around with all the black makeup on all day. And I'm bummed this clothes before my son got to do it, so that's why I'm bringing it back. I mean... If we added all of your four attractions together, it combines to like a seven-year span that these things have been gone. That's true. <laughs> That's the that latest. Well, to be honest, like I went all the time when I was younger, but I went a lot more as I got older and paid for vacation. You have a recency bias. That's fine. So I, I do have, have a little those. bit of a recency bias. Yes. Yeah. Tim does not have recency bias. <laughs> Tim's taking us back to the future. Yeah, the, the the greatest of the lost future world attractions. That's right, Delta Dream Flight, folks. Just a, a very uh, expensive Delta commercial for the airline that you could ride at Disney World. Uh, honestly, I don't even know if this ride is good. Just as a little kid, it was the only dark ride that never, ever, ever had a line in the early 90s to the mid-90s. And I would just ride it over and over again without having to wait in line because when I was little... And you used up your paper fast passes for the day. Um, waiting in lines was horrible, and I could just ride Delta Dreamflight a bunch of times. So Delta Dreamflight, is this if you had wings? Did this yes, become if you had wings? wings? Other way around. If you had wings. Yeah, it started wings. with that one. Start as you had wings, and then 1989 yeah, or something, so it, it becomes was... Delta Dreamflight. And then it wasn't Delta Dreamflight. It was no, just Dreamflight, I think, because Delta stopped sponsoring it. It was Dreamflight for a very brief time once, too. It was huh? sponsored by Eastern Airlines. Yes, it was. It was sponsored by Delta. Eastern. Yep. Take Flight. Uh, and now, That's obviously. That's what it was called. Take Flight. Take yep. Flight. And now, and obviously, was, it is Buzz Lightyear. 
Same but I'm crap. excited because whenever we do a Lost Attractions, this is on the short list to really get in depth on because mm. Tim's right. It, it's a classic. It's three it, attractions in one. It was a commercial, but it's classic. It, it's very similar to like a, a World of Motion was, to be honest with you, except it Imagine was airlines. flying to Walt Disney World and then said, I'm going to go on this, <laughs> this attraction. I just get off the plane and they're like, I'm going to go on Delta, you know. <laughs> But, so, yeah. so Drew, yours struck me as odd here, because okay. I figured you were going to go with the Davy Crockett River Canoes. Whoa. I've talked about those classics. Those are those yeah. are classics. Um, you want to no, bring back want, an entire land. I want to bring back Binty Toontown. Um, and this is nothing against Circus Town, but I feel like Binty Toontown was something that, unfortunately, my kids never got to experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the, the ability to explore you know, Mickey and Minnie's house or, or like, I think that's a mm-hmm. cool concept. And obviously yeah. it's still there in Disneyland, but um, that's something I think they should have, they could have said it was dated or whatnot, but that's something that I feel like doesn't really get dated. I mean, Mickey and Minnie's house is something that people are always going to, it's always going to be there. Um, so I, I think it was fun because even when you had to wait in line for characters, not like anything that you have to do nowadays, but even back then, you were in their yard, you were in their garden, like you, it was, it was, it was kind of the lead up till you got into their house. So Mickey's Toontown was great. I, 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 like I, I bring back Mickey's Starland or Mickey's Birthday Land. I'd like to bring back the original, original one. Sounds that like a Mario Party level. Yes. Yeah, so Mickey's Starland had that great uh, afternoon Disney show when we went back in 1992. I remember this very distinctly. There was like a Darkwing Duck Launchpad McQuack show ah, into, in Mickey's Starland, and they it was awesome. It was great. They were I think the Beagle Boys were were robbing. Um, uh, Uncle Scrooge's vault. It was mind blowing stuff. So I, I, I had no problem with that, Drew. I mean, I don't necessarily want to lose Circus Land, but I, I'm cool with bringing it back. I can't um, lose the big top souvenirs. That no, has to stay. That will best stay. Gift, just, well, if, you know, when it's not flooding or catching on fire, it is the best gift shop in Magic mm-hmm. Kingdom. That is a true Plus story. Yes. Uh, so those I, all I, I'm going back over to the Tomorrowland Convention Center area. Uh, with Tim and I am bringing back the Timekeeper uh, with wow. Nine Eye and Robin Williams as the robot, and it's a Circle Vision film. So it, and there's no seating, so you have to stand in the theater. It's very weird, uh, very similar to the movies over at Epcot. What Epcot used to be with the standing room um, films. This one kind of traveled back in time. You met Jules Verne, um, uh, H.G. Wells, and it's just it, it's a really fun concept. How going back in time fits with Tomorrowland, I, I still have no idea to this day, but I really enjoyed Timekeeper. It was one of those attractions, I think similar to Tim and, and Delta Dreamflight, that it never really had a wait when, when I when it was open when I was going to the parks in the mid nineties. So it was one you walked in and, and just when you're ten years old and you the movies is a really cool experience. I think that's a lot of what this episode is about tonight. And for me, the timekeeper, and it's a movie in a dome, and it's just all around you. It's just it's a really cool thing to see. Uh, so I really enjoyed this attraction. I really yeah. enjoyed the movie. Well, is that and over it, where Monsters Laugh Floor is? Yes. yes. Yep. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So it, it's kind of the neighbor to, to Tim's attraction there, and it's across the street from perhaps the greatest attraction that Magic Kingdom ever lost in Alien Encounters. So Tomorrowland was a really special place. 
uh, back in the day, even before Alien Encounter, when it had um, Voyage to the Moon, or Journey to the Moon, and then Mission to Mars, whatever it was, in that theater. And, and man, I'll tell you, Tomorrowland used to be something special. Now it's a, a, a homogenized version of, of you Pixar. Know, and, 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 and to that point, Bob, it made you start thinking is, and maybe a future topic, are Magic Kingdom lands dead? relevant? Yeah. Uh, or are, are they, they dying? I, I think are they relevant is the is the no. is the bigger question because I I don't know that they're relevant I don't know if they're dead I don't know if they're relevant anymore either so maybe that's a certainly something to, to keep in mind I, I like that concept so maybe Drew that's all we have oh, Drew that great. is all that we have for Random House of Mouse tonight well guys thank you for um you know picking up my slack when I got kicked off tonight and and I'm sure you guys did a fabulous job with with um the great movie ride two point oh. Um, and that will wrap this up. And uh, if you have any feedback, questions, or comments, give us an email at DisneyGuysUncensored at gmail.com. As always, if you're looking to plan a vacation, reach out to Jordana Izzo from Travelmation, and she will help you plan a magical getaway. Jordana Izzo at Travelmation.net. Uh, as always, folks, we are one episode away from episode 100. I'm excited. You better be excited because changes are coming, folks. Changes are coming. That's all i got to say. I'll tell you what, folks. I'm going to go on to the limb and say we just received an email tonight during the show about changes. That's all I need to say. Leave it at that. Uh, but just like to wish a very happy birthday to my son who turns eight this week. Yes, and Bob turns a nice 27. Now, folks, uh, you can find us on all <laughs> social media pages, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, and Redbubble. Make sure you check out those things. And as always, we ask Patreon. It's $2 per month. really helps us go a long way, as well as gives you extra content. We've really been focusing with that. God bless you, Tim. I saw that sneeze. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks for listening to The Disney Guys Uncensored. May Walt Disney World bring joy and inspiration and new knowledge to all who come to this happy place.